thorny as we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden bobcat pale ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats! Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us. We are the Ryans of the RNR Catcast the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. We are so happy you are with us. We are brought to you by Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, brewed in downtown Great Falls, Montana, the second location over at Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. They're currently brewing their hazy IPA. It's in cans. It's in stores. Go to your grocery store, pick up a sixer of Jeremiah Johnson. You'll appreciate it. Dory, we're here to talk about basketball once again northern arizona we swept them over the weekend let's get into it man it was a an exciting weekend of basketball for that the both the i believe the lady cats swept the nau as well and it was just Mm -hmm. a fun it's a really good saturday for the basketball programs to kind of take all of our minds off the whole jeff choate thing going on so kudos to the basketball teams for rising up and lifting up our spirits as bobcat fans Absolutely. I didn't think you were going to say Jeff Choate's name. I didn't think I was going to either, but you know what? I think it's important. It had to be said. We're still in the grieving process here, okay? It's only been <laughs> two days, three days. It's tender, man. Tender tenders. <laughs> okay, but before we talk any basketball, we're going to talk about what's in our golden coolies tonight. Ryan, why don't you go first? All right, so I am drinking the Amber from Full Sail Brewing which is located in Oregon somewhere. I had to take off my coolie to find it. Where's that at? You know where it is. I don't know where it is. Hood River. Everyone knows Full Sail. It's in Hood River, Oregon. Um, Just a nice bottled amber mass-produced. You know, it's pretty good. I have no problem with it. It's a good amber. Nice, solid choice when you're maybe wanting something different than Alaskan amber at the store. Switch it up with Full Sail. So got a question I've been meaning to ask you. Do you prefer drinking beer from a bottle or a can? It's a good question. For a long time, it was definitely bottles, but I've kind of come back around to the cans. So honestly, it's probably whichever one I've been drinking the most lately of. I kind of want to switch it up every now and again, probably. I don't really have a favorite. How about you? I think beer slightly tastes better from a bottle, but I feel uh, I, I don't like the... I don't like 
throwing away bottles, even when I have to recycle them. I think cans are a little bit more efficient. So I, I, I guess if I had to choose, it'd probably be a can. But I think it tastes slightly less good than a bottle. I think opening a can is more satisfying. Yeah, I got a like, good wall-mounted uh, bottle opener in my garage uh, by my tool uh, bench. And it's nice just to stick it in there and just it has a nice pop. You know, it's nice and firm. It just clicks. It's perfect. Yeah, I don't have that situation. I open up my drawer, find my stupid bottle opener, can opener, mm. which is, has the bottle opener portion of it. Not quite as satisfying. All right. Well, I am drinking a Rogue beer out of... Where is Rogue? Of course, I would say this. Somewhere in Oregon. Yeah, Anyways, Bend or something. Somewhere over there. Uh, it's a hazelnut brown nectar. I've been looking for browns, found one at the local grocery store. It's really good, man. I like browns and I like hazelnut. It's not too hazelnutty, which is, which I prefer because sometimes it's just like, it has a bad, like too much of a sweet aftertaste. But interesting thing about this beer, it says on the, on the can here, it says pair with a grilled cheese sandwich, pork chops, or bread pudding. It's quite the range of food there. <laughs> right so i i don't think i've ever had a rogue beer on the podcast maybe one before i'm not sure but it's been a while we've been doing this podcast for a couple years now so it's always a chance i've had a rogue beer but it's pretty good i really like it man bread pudding is bomb you ever had bread pudding no never had it's one of those things that i don't think a lot of people have had it's really good i highly recommend it it's a really good dessert okay what is it though just give me a quick description it's kind of like you just take like, some dry bread and pour some like uh, you make like a bechamel sauce or whatever, and you can use like I know there's like whiskey ones too, and you just kind of bake it in the oven until it all kind of absorbs it all in the bread. It's kind of like a almost like a baked French toast or something. Oh yeah, that does sound good. Yeah, they're pretty good. Highly recommend. Okay, that has nothing to do with pudding though. I mean, I was thinking like you know yeah, you make like a pudding. custard. I guess that's. That's probably the word I was looking for. You make like a custard and drizzle all over a bunch of like older bread and just bake it until it soaks it all up. I don't know why it's really called pudding. It's definitely not consistency of pudding. Um, it's more like you put like a custard into it. But yeah, good stuff. All right, well, let's get right into the games. Yeah, you know what else is good stuff? The Bobcats sweeping the Lumberjacks this weekend. So <laughs> let's start with the first game. The Bobcats in both these games were in Flagstaff. 62 to 51 victory. Um, the Bobcat shot pretty well, 46.8% for the game while holding NAU to just 40%. So the defense, strong performance there. Um, Bobcat's three-point percentage was 31.6, which is about par for the for the year. Um, not great, not not terrible, but yeah, needs to improve. But we held NAU to just 21.4% from the line or the three-point line. So really good three-point defense there. Um, we only got to the line 17 times, but shot 70%. I rebounded them 33 to 27. Looking down the list, I don't see any other big glaring stats. Uh, 14 turnovers. It seems to be kind of about where we are averaging as well. Um, we had a l- largest lead of 13 points, and NAU just led by two at some point in the game. So pretty good dominating bef- performance from the Bobcats in, in a lot of ways, led by Jabril Bello with 14 points and seven rebounds and two blocks. Xavier Bishop was next with. 12 points on 5-for-9 shooting, 0-for-2 from the three-point line. His three-point shots kind of 
has been eluding him lately, but uh, two steals, three rebounds, and uh, yeah, another good game from Xavier Bishop. So kind of the quick stats there. Um, NAU was led by Cameron Shelton, uh, who was a thorn in our side for both games. He was averaging over 20 points per game on the season, I believe. I think he's like top 20 in the NCAA, but he, he had 24 points in this game. But he he did we made we forced him into five turnovers, but he did get five assists and six rebounds. So a really good game from Cameron Shelton, uh, twenty four points on ten for twenty shooting and three for five from beyond the arc. So he kept him in the game, and he was definitely a problem for us in both games. But um, there you go. There's the stats. What do you want to get into here? Well, first thing in it was they were playing in some practice gym. I was assuming they were going to play in the Walk of Sky Dome. Did you know what was going on there? I did not even notice, but I just I noticed a whole bunch of cardboard cutout fans on TV, which was always comical. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know why they're playing in that gym. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it made it easier for both teams to shoot because I had talked about like how big the walk-up sky dome is. And yeah, just we pumped it up about how hard it was to shoot there last episode and they didn't even <laughs> <Yeah>. play there. <laughs> I know. I saw it on Thursdays. I was like, what the heck? on makes me sound like a fool so uh that's the first thing i noticed i mean this game like the next game on saturday was just tight all the way no team could really ever pull away i mean we we did it at the very end and i think that's like the common theme that we're going to talk about just briefly is at the very end you'll see montana state uh, making a couple key plays to seal the deal but and when you're watching the scores on this game you would see like these mini runs where Montana State may go up like four or could push it to six. And then we'd have like a ticky tack turnover or foul or something. You're just like, you know, kind of hit your head on and go, man, that's just, just silly. So Montana State could never really pull away from Northern Arizona in the two games. No, it, it really, they were really both really hard fought games. Or it's not, it's, it's so easy to just sit there and lump these games together, just doing this two game thing we're doing here. But, I'm trying to keep us separated, but in the first game, um, this is the, definitely the game where the Bobcats pulled away in the fourth quarter. I'm looking at it. Um, we were leading by two, or it was, we outscored them by two in the first quarter, by three in the second quarter, by one in the third quarter. But then we pulled away and outscored them by five. We held them to just nine points in the fourth quarter. And that seems to be a theme, I think, for Danny Sprinkle's squad this year, is that the second half, and particularly down the stretch, is when the Cats are playing kind of their best ball. So held true here. Um, another thing worth mentioning here, I believe for Northern Arizona, one of their better players, I think his name is Luke. I'm going to butcher his name. Ad, Advilovich. <laughs> Advilich. <laughs> I don't remember. They yeah. said it in that broadcast multiple times. And now I'm like looking at it. I'm like, oh, what was it? But he came back. He played for 33 minutes in this game. Um, one of his, he had been injured. So I think it was a big boost from Northern Arizona. And I was a little bit worried about them getting one of their better players back from injury, coming just off of a Grizz victory. The game before this, but uh, the Bobcats really kind of just took this one, and like you said, it was well fought for much of the game, but the Bobcats really pulled away late in the game. Yeah, and we hit clutch shots when we needed the shots, so it's good to see that uh, like the multiple amount of guys that are just hitting shots when we need them could be like Mike Hood or Tyler Patterson could come through at a, on a spot three. Or, you know, Bellow or Bishop slashing to the rim. It's just so varied compared to we had seen in the past. 
Agreed. And yeah, this is a very balanced effort as well. Like, like mm-hmm. you're saying, it's like no one single player is leading the charge in a lot of these types of games. Bello had 14 points, Bishop had 12, but then we had nine from Adamu. We had eight from Hood, five from Gazelis, Borja poured in five, Muhammad had four, and Patterson had three. So only two players in double digits for this for this game. And But then you look down in Northern Arizona, Cam Shelton, 24 points. Next closest was eight. <laughs> so clearly the I think the strategy on this game was to kind of let Cameron Shelton do his thing and just kind of keep everyone else in check and 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 hope that he didn't have enough firepower to win the game on his own. And that's kind of that's kind of what it ended up looking like. And I think it worked out for the Bobcats. Yeah, they ran most of the offense through Shelton and it was just kind of an ISO offense where he would just uh kind of go to the they would sit a, a little pick a roll for him or and he would just or a screen and he would just go right to the rim and Try to get some foul trouble uh, on our guards and then Bello, but 24 points. He did the same thing in the next game too, but uh, I thought they moved the ball better in the next game, but we can get into that. Yeah, definitely like the Cameron Shelton show in the first game. He was three for five from three-point land. Everyone else was a combined, oh, geez, what is that? I can't do math right now. Uh, oh, four, nine, the rest of the team. He was the only one who hit three-pointer, so... <laughs> It was it was really good to see. And the Bobcats, I think, defended the three-point line pretty well in this game. Uh, defended Cameron Shelton pretty well. He is a physical player. He, he's a good player. Like he, He's mm-hmm. a definitely a good basketball player. He's built. He's very stout. And he, he uses his physicality. There's a couple of times I think he got posted up on like Bishop and just like just went right over the top of him. But he's a good player. And it was, I think it was just a good victory overall for the Bobcats in this game that I was a little bit nervous that we would come in and run into a team with the fresh player coming back from injury, fresh off a victory on an away game in an arena that we're not typically very good in. And yeah, we got we got it done. With that win, we moved to eight and three overall, five and zero in conference play. We're pretty feeling pretty good about ourselves at this point. Yeah, but then here you go. This is where the Big Sky Conference is going to be extremely tricky this year because you play the same team again. It's such an interesting dynamic, and I was actually thinking about this more since our last episode. We were talking about the February swoon a little bit by the Bobcats. Yeah. A big part of what I think that is, is you go through conference, and the second half of conference is really where the cream rises to the uh, the top, because now you're making those adjustments. We've all played each other once. Who's going to be the coach that outcoaches and outschemes the other coach and gets that second half victory? Who plays down the stretch? That's what seniors, what, what uh, stars rise up and all these things. But now that's all compacted into a span of three days. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if it benefits the Bobcats, if like Sprinkles, just the guys working harder right now because the time frame, I don't know. But it's really working out in the Bobcats' favor for whatever reason. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't know if that's going to be a good thing moving forward or if it's something that's just, it is what it is. It's an, an anomaly year. But the second game, little bit different story on this game what do you think about the second game there you want to read the stats real quick yeah sure so uh second game happened on saturday pulled out a victory of 58 over 53 a field goal percentage for montana state was 46 to 42 uh going down th- uh three-point field goals uh 32 percent for montana state seems to be about what we've been doing which is really not good like uh, if, when you look at uh, when you dig into the stats we are last in the conference at shooting three pointers right now. Uh, but we held 
Arizona or Northern Arizona is about half that, 14%. So that's that's really good uh, beyond the arc defense. But they also didn't take very many three-point shots. They were more, they tried to get into the paint a lot more. And and, and, and they did successfully during this game and they got a, uh, us into some foul trouble early on. Rebounds were about pretty even. We had, uh, let's see here, total rebounds are 30 to 33. And uh, nothing else really jumps out when uh, when I'm looking down through those stats. Well, we did have 13 assists this game. So anytime I think you get into the double digits and assists, you're doing, you're moving the ball around really well. Yeah. Yeah, 13, they had eight. So pretty balanced there. Interesting. Uh, so if you look at it, their first game, what was their first game? I got to pull it up here real quick. They were um, three for 14. And the second game, they were one for seven. So they were four for 21. Um, from downtown mm. in the series, the Cats were a big part of that. I think you got to give credit to the Cats defense. We had we had really good defense. I mean, I think that's one thing that's coming out that in the Danny Sprinkle's second years, we are a defensive team, and that's such a shock. I mean, for me at least, I haven't watched Brian Fish's teams for so long, so it's good to see our defensive you know, buckling down. And when you when you start going down into the stats and start mining those stats. We are really good at defending the three point, or not um, defending three point, but in just general in conference, we are our, our defensive stats are towards the top. Oh, you're right. Like the defense uh, stats lay that out. We are the number one efficiency defense in the Big Sky Conference, the number one effective field goal percentage defense, and the number two in the turnover percentage. So our defense is pretty pretty high in a lot of key categories um, this season so far. It's really good to see. Does that surprise you, Ryan? Coming off the Brian Fisher, yes, it sure does. Like I don't, yeah. I don't really remember our defense statistics from last year. I don't, I don't remember thinking that we're like, oh man, we we're so good on defense last year. And it's kind of funny. I actually hadn't really thought that this year. I know the games have been kind of low scoring, but um, you look actually, we we got a Ken Palm subscription <laughs> today, right before the show. We're actually still trying to decipher what all this stuff actually means. But it's pretty clear it's painting a picture that Montana State is actually a lot better ranked defensively than I had actually thought. So I think our defense is actually this year is is a big strength. No, absolutely. We're going to be testing in the next six weeks, though. I mean, we're going to get into the teeth of the conference with Weber, Mont- or U-, U of M, and Eastern. So it'll be interesting to see how we look after them. True. But uh, circling back to the to the gate, the second game here, Definitely a different flow to this game. If you look at the uh, ESPN um, score track or whatever with the graph, man, that graph was just like interweaving, never got far apart. It was a, it was a close-fought game. Uh, the, the largest lead for the Bobcats, seven. NAU was four. I don't know how many lead changes there were. I don't see that stat here, but it was a very close, contested game. And I think it took some big plays by Amin Adamu down the stretch to kind of pull away, give the Cats a five-point lead there at the end. I do remember one play in particular... And I wish I knew who took the charge, but finally the refs called a charge on Cameron Shelton, who was just, he just like post up on you and he just like lowers his shoulder into you all the time. Mm-hmm. And he finally got whistled for it. And, and the course was like the, what, well, you know, that was me <laughs> that yeah. any, any good basketball player would do because he's been getting away with it all game. But that was a, a big key defensive stand. And I wish I knew who took the charge. Adamu down the stretch when he gets it going, he is, impossible to guard and yeah the cats just closed out another hard hard fought game it's kind of becoming the mo i think uh wins like that are just money in the bank 
for going forward. They might not might not be the prettiest games, but you know, if you can win ugly and kind of grind it out, that's just like like I said, it's just money in the bank. It's it's that memory like we can do this. <laughs> and they're gonna need that. They're gonna need to rely on that in the next couple of weeks. You just gotta love it, man. You just love seeing the guys the scoring duties kind of rotate between Patterson, Bellow, and Adamu. It's kind of kind of the big three, right? Like the old the big three, the first one, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and um Chris Bosch, the first big three that I can kind of think of. Like that's kind of what we got going here. And it's like if you shut one down, the other one's there's a good chance that someone else is gonna step up. And those are kind of the guys that are kind of rising as our as our three star players. That's true. Um it's also true that, you know, we have a lot more balance though this year. Like I'm just looking right now at uh, Bellow's minutes played. He only played 17 minutes on Saturday. He played 27 minutes on on Thursday. He got in early foul trouble. And that, Bellow's credit, minutes are it, always just foul trouble. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, credit. And then you, they went right at him and he picked up two fouls early on. And he went to the bench and Kirby came out and I thought uh, DK played really well. You know, he's, he's not like the offensive uh, sniper that you want with the big man, uh, but uh, he his uh his energy, his defense is really good. No, I agree. And actually uh, this game, Kirby got in a little bit of foul trouble too. There was actually a point where FN Floyd was in the game. He played three mm-hmm. minutes. And I'm looking here <laughs> and, uh, no stats. He missed a, he missed a, actually he missed a layup. Remember? Yeah. I remember. Yeah. got the ball, a nice feed and just straight up, just overshot a layup, but he had some good, man. he played some good defense. Like the stats don't reflect anything, but I remember, you know, just the fact that we can go down to Finn Floyd day when we need to is, it's a good sign because like you said, Bellow, 17 minutes, six points, not a huge factor in this game Four turnovers. Um, I think he got three rebounds. I mean, not a, not a typical Bellow game. But then you see, look up and see, okay, well, I'm going to Damu, 21 points. Guys step up. Bello is such a key cog in this offense, but he is not the, if it's not working out, he's not the only way we can win. And that's refreshing. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of different scoring strategies. There's one more point before uh, we can move on. We're going to neither, we, we need either Tyler Patterson, Nick Azalis, or Mike Hood to hit threes. And if they're not, we're going to be in trouble, but we need one of those three guys to hit, you know, two to three threes in the game for us to keep in it. I'd put Borja in that category too. Yeah, you're, you're right. He's been hitting like consistently like one to two kind of important three pointers per game. It seems mm-hmm. he's not doing a whole I mean, lot of scoring, but like he's been shooting pretty well from three point land. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have many scoring droughts uh, over this, this two game stretch. And that was largely because we could hit a timely three. That would get us back to like a two-point lead, a one-point lead, or a, a three-point lead. And it just always seemed to be like right, hovering right around that, but uh, timely for sure. All right. Well, congratulations to the Cats on getting a road sweep at NAU. I don't care if there's no fans. I mean, that's big time in the in the Big Sky Conference. Yeah, for sure. Six Nine and, and three, six. Yeah, six and zero in the conference. First time since eighty six, eighty seven. Yeah, great start, and maybe. Maybe some people in the media will start talking more about the Bobcats and the 6 0 start first place. You know, <laughs> just to say, the Montana media seems to be focusing on how good the Grizz almost are and not so much how good the Bobcats are. So let's get into that matchup. 
Let's talk about that. Let's be the ones who talk about that. Okay, yeah, it's Cat Grizz Week, right? Cat Grizz Week, which is, with everything else going on right now, it just seems like surreal, like washed out. Like it's not the same as I would want it to be in other years, but it's just like, it's just been such a whirlwind and other things in the in the Bobcat world, canceling spring ball, uh, Choate almost getting the Boise State job, Choate getting the Texas job, Kane I own getting, uh, there's just too much going on here. So kind of actually hard to even think like, holy crap, there's a cat Grizz this week. Snuck up on you. Just completely snuck up on you. Now I got to play him two <laughs> times. You got to play him two times in three days. So it's just like, well, okay, cat Grizz week, hardcore. <laughs> kind of interesting like uh it's more like a football characters week because like it is the characters week and then it's gone yeah it's true i mean montana it's a little bit deceptive right now i mean they're three and five in conference they've had like all these crazy losses where they've had like these significant leads and then they just choke down the stretch and then they have like narrow losses which we love seeing right i love seeing montana lose they're three and five to seven eight overall and that's pretty deceptive in my in my uh, estimation. I still think they're a pretty solid team. They're a young team, uh, and and the and the guys who you were talking about earlier, they're going to make excuses for them. They're they're young. They're young. They're young. Well, at one point, you can't use that excuse anymore. They are who they are. Um, but they're still going to be a, a really tough matchup. It gets in your head at some point, though. You keep losing games by like one point, two points, last second shots, like. How does that affect you mentally? That's a tough thing well, to keep pushing through. Yeah, it really is. Until until you can prove yourself otherwise, right? And then when you can prove yourself otherwise, then it becomes like a waterfall. True, yeah. Like, and I, I so, do agree. I think the Grizz are actually a deceptively good basketball team. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and agree with the Montana media on this one. <laughs> the Grizz are almost good, and they may end up being good. Um, a little Ken Palm thing here says that they are the 333 most experienced team in the NCAA out of like 350 or 60 teams or something. So yes, they are young. Um, the Bobcats are actually 97th, interestingly enough. So um, did Montana, the Grizz are a good team. I don't know much about individually um, who to look for. I know Brandon Whitney is kind of their go-to guy. Uh, they got some other guys, Kyle Owens, Michael Stedman's are big man. He's putting in some good minutes. And then you got, uh, I think Robbie Beasley is kind of the guy that's other that's coming along right now, t- turning into kind of score. But you're right, like saying that like the best Montana scorer is kind of a misnomer because they struggle, they struggle scoring the ball. Yeah, I think that's just going to be a good a good thing for us because we are really good at defending. So like that's our strength against their weakness, and that's going to be a big key for us. Yeah, we're looking at the statistics here. The Grizz are fifth. Inefficiency offense, but the uh, the cats are first in efficiency defense. So it's kind of like they're middle of the road, maybe in, in that category. But we are the best efficiency defense in the conference to date. And I'm looking at conference only stats here, and obviously this is with a grain of salt. But there are two two like opponents here, and I think that's worth mentioning. We both played UNC, and we both played NAU, and I think the, the the Grizz swept, or I'm sorry, the Grizz split both of those and the Cats swept it all. So uh, I only mentioned that too because, yeah, there's only a handful of conference games played so far, but if you're look, looking at like opponents, they it's the statistics are even more glaring. <laughs> yeah. 
the interesting one I'm looking at is effective field goal percentage. The Grizzlies are 262nd in the in the nation right now, out of what 370, yeah, 370 yeah, some sure. teams, right? You know, yeah. just something. They're they're pretty bad. <laughs> if you're above 300 in any category, you're 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 terrible. So what that means is they're just not shooting the ball very well. However, Montana State's defense is 27th in the entire nation right now. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. The the effective field goal percentage in Ken Palm were 27th in the country, and this is a, yep. this is all games. So nothing to sneeze at there. This is where we're talking about Bobcats defense. What those go together? But yes, they do. <laughs> New identity for us for sure. Our three point defense is 78th in the country. Our two point percentage field goal defense is 42nd in the country. We're holding teams to pretty poor shooting. And poor efficiency too. Like we're, and you want to look at a team like Montana that struggles on all these categories. Um, they they do have a good three point shooting team. So there's there is the matchup. I think if the Grizz can get it rolling from three point land, I think they have a good chance of pulling it out. But the the Cats are right there um, defensively at the three point line. So it's going to be a pretty interesting matchup. I think uh, that's going to be a big big piece of it. If you're if you're Danny Sprinkle, how are you attacking the Grizzlies? I think the, the 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 cats continue to do what they do. They try to they try to pound it inside the bellow. If that doesn't work, try to slash it in with Bishop, and then you know hopefully Tyler Patterson or um, Nick Zales or Bora and spot up threes. And so we can we can slice and dice you from a couple different ways and just kind of fill it out. I think the cats just go aggressive right off the bat, attack the rim, try and get to the free throw line quite a bit, and if they if you don't get the foul, then you get Bello down there. Who is what was that stat we saw uh, with Bello, where he's actually pretty highly ranked? It was, was something about to the line about yeah how many how the percentage of the time he goes up to score he gets the free throw attempt and it was like what was it like fourteenth in the country or something? It was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Bello goes up to score. He's either dunking it or he's getting fouled. <laughs> Those are the two things that are going to happen. Um, so I'm saying you feed Bellow. I'm saying you get the ball in. I'm saying you attack the basket. You have Bishop Bishop driving. Bishop's actually relatively good at getting fouls called on him too. And then Adamu is good at it as well. So I just say be aggressive out of the gate and try and get their bigs into foul trouble. If you can get Stedman into foul trouble, um, I think you're going to have a lot better success at dictating the the style of play you want right, right after that. Yeah. We got to slow down Montana too. I, I imagine they're going to attack us like Northern Arizona attacked us. Uh, with Cameron Satter, Shelton, Cameron Shelton. I can think of his name there for a moment. <laughs> All right, Thorny. Well, like, hey, let's put a cap on this. We were running up against the half hour, and that's uh, something we wanted to stick with. What is your kind of prediction uh, for this weekend against Montana? I think the Cats will probably split it. I, If it's going to be a split, I would imagine the Grizz probably win the first game and the Cats win the second game. But... You know, I think they're going to be tight, tightly fought games, and I wouldn't be surprised to see any direction either either way. I will say this is the first time, this is the most optimistic I felt going into Cat Grizz game in a long time, because what is it? We've lost 19, lost 20. I don't even, I've lost track, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. been, it's, it's been bad. So <laughs> it's been a long time since I think anybody even thought the Cats might be favored. I don't know if they're going to be favored when the Lions come out and all this kind of stuff, but I think the Cats have a good shot to at least snag one of the games uh, which would make me at this point pretty happy. Yeah, 
I agree with 100% with what you said. All right. Well, I think that does it for our basketball recap, Cat Grizz preview. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please find us on Twitter, RRCatCast. You can visit us on our website, RRCatCast.com. Thank you again to Jeremiah Johnson for being our sponsor once again. And let's end this, as always, with a Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats.